Our Old Testament lesson comes from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. Hear now the word of the Lord. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nations. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the trampling warriors and all the garments rolled in bloodshed be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of God for us, the people of God, and together we say, thanks be to God. Our New Testament lesson this evening is a familiar one. In fact, one we hear every single time, uh, every single year, this time of year. It comes from the gospel according to Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. Hear now the word of the Lord. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the word of God for us, the people of God, and together we say, thanks be to God. We, like the shepherds, have made it. 
We've come to the final moment of Advent. The anticipation finds its climax. The patience gathers its reward. The expectation sees its joy. On this eve, we welcome the Savior of the world, the God of perfect love made flesh among us. The story might be an old, familiar one, but the impact of it reminds us of how loved we are by this God who came in the form of a baby in a manger. We've traveled through this season similar to how the shepherds traveled through the Judean countryside, seeking the child who is king of all. What we find in this scene may not be exactly what we expect, even though after so many years of the same story, we should know what to expect. But still we are reminded that the God of the universe chose to come in a way that we might not have chosen. The God of the universe chose to show up in such humble state that how could anybody recognize God made flesh in a manger? But this is our reminder that God did not choose to come with human pomp and circumstance, but chose to come with peace, with grace, and with mercy. And in the midst of all of this, one person sits content with the words she has cherished since she was told, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High God, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David, Mary. She must have been exhausted, emotionally overwhelmed and, uh, I imagine, ready for a nap. I mean, nine months pregnant and she has to travel to a whole other city? And she's not even given a proper room? And then has to go through the whole labor and delivery process? And to top it all off, as she's dozing off with this new infant in her arms, suddenly, a group of strangers show up, spouting off nonsense about this multitude of angels and a wild message of joy and wanting to see her baby. This, I imagine, not having the experience myself, sounds like any new mother's nightmare. But she is calm. She listens to their story. Everyone else around her is shocked and amazed at what they are saying, but she picks out every word they say and treats each as a precious gift. We are told that she treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart because it was a treasure like no other. I am really borderline obsessed with pirate stories. I just, I think they're fascinating. What an odd time in human history. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I think that it is uh, odd how much we glamorize such a uh, bunch of hooligans, I guess you'd say. But when you have uh, those esteemed movies like Pirates of the Caribbean, how could we not? 
I remember a particular line that uh, Captain Jack Sparrow uh, gives to Will Turner in Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. He tells him, not all treasure is silver and gold, mate. Not all treasure is silver and gold. You see, I think that the shepherd's arrival presents something in slight contrast to the arrival of another group of individuals that we associate with this time of year, the Magi, the wise men traveling from the east, Zoroastrians as they were, those coming with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What even are those last two? I know the gold part. But they show up with these precious gifts and they lay them down before the child, probably not in Bethlehem. This was probably in Egypt when they found them, probably. But these are tangible gifts, gifts that this family can actually use. This immigrant family who is having to run for their lives from city to country uh, to back to a different city and a different country, at least they have some gold to live off of, some frankincense and myrrh to sell. But the shepherds come with a different treasure, a story of what they've encountered. I mean, can you imagine that you're just doing whatever job you have to do, and you're at like the most mundane part of it all, not even really paying attention, and all of a sudden some crazy heavenly being shows up with splendor and tells you to go find a baby. This is a weird story, right? And their entire experience they, that they have with these angels and they're in this field and great, wow, weird as it is, they go off in pursuit of this child, wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. That's already weird. And when they get there, they tell their story, as weird as it is, and Mary treasures all of these words, because it's not her first time with a weird experience. There was that time whenever this probably 14, 15-year-old girl is told, you're going to have a child. And she says, I don't think that's right. I don't think that's going to happen. And this angelic being says, no, it's going to happen. And she says, Okay, let's do this. She's used to these weird moments. She had that whole time with her cousin uh, Elizabeth where her cousin Elizabeth's child, John, ends up doing a backflip in her stomach. Mary's used to these weird moments. And she's picked up one important lesson, to treasure them, to treasure these kind of moments and the words that come from them. If we were to define treasure, according to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, because that's what people do, to treasure is to hold or keep something as precious, or to collect and store up something of value for future use. So, like a good pirate, I have my treasure chest. hear that sound. I think it's coming from this. 
this. All right, I'll just use this microphone and not walk around as much. <laughs> I have our treasure chest here, and I want us to consider for a moment the things that we treasure in life. You know, the whole pirate story about collecting treasure, as fascinating as those adventures sound, seems incredibly futile. Because if you collect a whole bunch of treasure and you have treasure chests full of treasure, that's all you have. What do you do with that? It just sits there until you die and then some other pirate goes to find it? What's the point? This is where the things that we treasure we need to consider carefully. So what are the things that we treasure? Are we, are we people who treasure money? Yeah, that's my credit card, Capital One Venture card, great for travel. Maybe we are the people who treasure money. Maybe it's power. This right here is my certificate as an ordained elder in the United Methodist Church. It means I have power. And it means that because somebody said so at one point. And it means that I can preside over communion and baptisms and stuff like that. There's my power. Do we treasure fame? I always wanted to be like Instagram famous or TikTok famous. But apparently, in order to do that, you have to post more frequently than once a year. But there's my Instagram. Are we the people who treasure comfort? This little shawl is super soft, by the way. And there are many different forms of comfort, many different forms. But on a night such as tonight, I'm going to go with the blanket. Are we the people who treasure comfort? Perhaps we're the people who treasure material things. It's my car keys. I can't leave here without these. Don't let me forget them. But are we the people who treasure those material things? Perhaps we're the people who treasure our pride. We certainly don't think about it. This is a very small picture of me, and I look really good in it. Are we the kind of people who treasure our pride? Sure, each of these things can contribute to our lives in some way. It's a full treasure chest. But consider our Christmas story. Mary, Joseph, and Jesus have no money. They had to settle for a stable. They had no power. They were forced to travel because of the powers of the empire. They had no fame. They were basically nobodies. The only reason we know their name is because of their child. They had no comfort. Their lodging is among the animals. They had no significant material things, only what they needed to make the trip from their hometown all the way to Bethlehem. And they certainly had no pride to cling to. Everything about their situation is disgraceful. A baby out of wedlock, born 
in a manger to this carpenter's family. The Christmas story reminds us of what real treasure is and what it's not. Not the material things, the comforts, the fame, the power, the money, or the pride. No. The treasure that Mary finds are in the words of a stranger. All this other, other stuff is powerless in the face of the Savior of the world. But these words, these words have power. And it's by words that we see so much of our heritage in the Christian faith. It was by the power of words that God forms the universe, speaking it into existence. It was by the power of words that God gives us the commandments and the covenant on Mount Sinai. It was by the power of words that the prophets foretold the coming Messiah, like our passage in Isaiah. It was by the power of words that the good news is given to the shepherds. It was by the power of words that Jesus taught his disciples, and it was by the power of words that Jesus gave us the Great Commission. It was by the power of words that the gospel is spread throughout the world. Words have power. And on this holy night, we too have the opportunity to treasure holy words. So I have something for us this evening. What I want you to do as this basket goes around is take two of these cards. They say, treasure this word. And on each card, I want you to write down a word, a word that is significant to you during this Christmas season, maybe a word that describes Christ, a name, perhaps. You can write the same on both or something different on each. And I want you to keep one, and the second one, I want you to bring up whenever you come up for communion and place it in this treasure chest that's going to be down here and just drop it in there as a symbol of the words we have to treasure. As I said, it could be some that we've heard tonight. For instance, our passage in Isaiah calls Jesus Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. But the entirety of Isaiah's passage has so much more. He goes on, His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. We also have in our Luke passage this message of good news, of great joy for all the people. 
For to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Messiah, the Lord. Mary treasures these words. And so my challenge for us, as we continue in this Christmas season, and yes, Christmas is only getting started. We have 12 more days after this. During this Christmas season, my challenge is for you to treasure these words. And I want you to start now with these slips of paper. To write on these slips of paper this word that you treasure during this season. One of the names of Jesus. Or a common theme during Christmas. But whatever words come to mind, you're going to be keeping one sheet of paper and bringing the other one up to put in this treasure chest. My prayer is that these words be a blessed treasure for us this season, as we recall what truly matters during this time. Because it's not about us. It's not about us, and Mary understood that. It's about our Savior. So may the words we treasure proclaim the glory of God's only Son who was born this night. Let us pray.